morning. So the first reading this morning is from uh, 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to start at verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from the Lord is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from the God comes on you, and you will feel better. Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them to his son David, with his son David, to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his um, armor bearers. Then Saul sent the word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came to Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirits would leave him. The second reading is from Hebrews um, 11, verse 39 to 12, verse 3. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Thank you, Gail. So I can't resist telling you I was doing a cross-country race yesterday and uh, up at Beckenham in the park and uh, just as I was getting towards the end, there was a guy running behind me, the chairman of our club, and he was shouting out, Come on, Dan! You can do this. And he said, Dan, take the next three people from Croydon Striders. Or whatever they And I thought, I can do this. And he was shouting out, Dan, go on. He was, it was great. And I went for it. And then one of them then overtook me just at the end. But 
it was encouraging to hear that voice and this great cloud of witnesses that we've been thinking about these last few weeks are like those shouting out, come on, you can do this. Come on, keep running the race with perseverance. And fix your eyes on the goal. We've been looking these last few weeks at those who uh, have gone before us. Stories that we can read about in the Bible. People like Abel and Noah and Enoch. And we've looked at Gideon and last week at Samuel. And and we're going to finish off. And of course there are others, but we're going to finish off this week thinking about David. One of the great leaders of the faith. One of the great examples of faith in the scriptures. A man after God's heart. You know, it is what's in the heart that's important. We're told just before this passage, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I wonder what's in our heart today. What's on our hearts right now? Now David didn't come out of nowhere. He, he, he came as a replacement for King Saul. Now Saul was appointed king because the people wanted a king. They wanted a mighty warrior who would lead them in the battle. And Saul certainly looked apart. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. But Saul's heart wasn't really in the right place. Didn't really have a a heart for God. And we're told that God actually regrets appointing Saul as king. And he rejects Saul. And there's this terrifying description of how the Spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul. He's still king. He still has the sword and the spear, and he still has attendants who will do his bidding. But he has no more authority. Do you know, we can have a title, we can have the prestige, but do we have authority? Religious people of Jesus' day had the titles, they had the prestige, but they didn't have the authority. When people heard Jesus, they say, hey, here's someone speaking with authority. Real authority comes from God. And Saul, tragically, has lost his authority. Now you may have noticed that first verse in this passage that we read. And it might have troubled you if you'd thought about it. Because it said, an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Does that sound weird? Just going to say, it's quite cold. If anyone needs just to do a few star jumps or run around, that's absolutely fine. An evil spirit from the Lord... Surely evil spirits come from the devil. So how do we make sense of this? Just a a couple of thoughts. 
Think of a picture. And think of Scripture as a picture. Now, if you're an artist, I'm guessing you might draw outline of what you're going to do to start with. I guess different artists work in different ways. You can tell me, Patrick. But You might start with the broad brushstrokes. You might start with an outline. And as God unfolds who he is and what he does in Scripture, he starts with the outline, you know, in the beginning and so on. And then what we see in Scripture are broad brushstrokes. But over time, God fills in the details. And when you get to the New Testament, there's a lot more understanding of who the devil is. But at this point in the Bible, it doesn't talk a lot about the devil. And so, you have to bear that in mind as you read a passage like this. <clears throat> the second thing is, the solution provided for this evil spirit was music. Now, I love music. And it was great to hear Paul and Richard play just a moment ago. And music, especially music anointed by the Holy Spirit, can bring great healing and comfort. But when we encounter an evil spirit in the New Testament, music doesn't quite cut it. There needs to be deliverance in Jesus' name. But back here, music will at least alleviate the problem for a while. So it could be that for Saul, it's like a way of describing his mood. Maybe he was sinking into very, very troubling thoughts and a deep, deep depression. He was being tormented in his mind. And this idea of describing an evil spirit is just a way of describing it. I'm not 100%, but those are a couple of thoughts to help us understand how we can grapple with the description of an evil spirit from God tormenting him. So, it's all plain for everyone around to see. <clears throat> He's in a bad place. And so his attendants say to him, well, I tell you what, get someone to switch Classic FM on. You do, but there wasn't Classic FM. So they had to get someone to come and play the equivalent of the guitar, the, the lyre. And he says, okay, go and find someone for me. And he, one of the attendants says, well, it just so happens. I happen to know a guy. I've heard about him. And he plays a mean guitar. It's like Johnny Be Good. <coughs> and, uh, <coughs> oh, not only that. He's a brave man and a warrior. And not only that, he's a great speaker. And he's, well, he's really handsome. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the Lord is with him. It's like, he's overqualified. <laughs> so Saul says, okay, well, send, send, send him to me. And he sends word to Jesse, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. Now, we've already met David in the Bible. See, because we know that God has rejected Saul, and so God sends Samuel the prophet to Jesse in Bethlehem and choose one of the sons or to, 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 
to call one of their sons to be the new king. And if you know the story, Samuel encounters all these sons of Jesse. And God says, no, no, it's not that one, not that one, not that one. Goes through like seven sons or something. And are there any more sons? And these, Jesse's almost forgotten about David. Oh, well, I do have another one. Forgot all about him, actually. He's out with the, he's out with the sheep. He's with the sheep. Uh, okay, call him in then. This is the one. And he's anointed as the new king of Israel. And the Spirit of God starts from that day forth to work very powerfully in him. And yet, what does he do next? What happens the next day? He goes back to the sheep. I wonder, have you had an encounter with God? Has the Spirit worked in your life? And then, next day, you go back to doing the same old, same old. But it's not same old, same old, because God is with you. And you might start seeing things in a different light. And you might start seeing that God had been leading you to that point all that time. And David had been with the sheep, presumably for years. Now, I... I, don't want to talk down being a shepherd, but maybe he had a bit of time to kill because sheep, you know, they just, they just, you know, what do they do? They go bar. And so he thought, I tell you what, I'll, I'll practice my licks. So he practiced a lot. You know, blues in all 12 keys and everything. He'd had time to practice. And also, whoa. A few wild animals coming. So what had he done? He'd learned how to tackle wild animals in order to protect the sheep. He'd learned his skills in obscurity. <clears throat> There's an obsession these days with having a name, having a following, being a celebrity, being a star. And often people want that fast track to get there, shortcut to no- notoriety, if you like. But The fact is, in order to be ready to be in the public setting, God has to do a lot of preparations in obscurity and in that anonymous place where no one else is watching. But God is working. God is preparing. And it may be you've had a call from God and you, God said, this is what I want to do with you. You've just got that sense. You've got something on your heart that says, this is what God's calling me to. <coughs> but you don't see any sign of it yet. And what's already been decided in heaven and what's already a call from God may take some time before it manifests in to everyday life. And it might just be 10 years, might be 20 years before you can actually say, now I see it's happening. <coughs> Have you prayed for something? And it's taken years. Can happen, can't it? As a church, we can pray for something and, and it can be years of, of just hanging in there. And God breaks through. It's already been decided. God's already heard the prayer, but it takes time. And so David is with the sheep. And now he's called to come to the courts of Saul. Now, 
He doesn't think, oh, I'm the new king, so I've got to go and kill the old one. No. What does he do? He enters Saul's service. Again, there are plenty of people who want to rise to the top. They want to be the boss. But if you want to be an effective leader, you have to learn, first of all, how to serve. And you never stop serving. True leaders serve. And David, what does he do? He enters Saul's service. He doesn't muscle in. He doesn't assume anything. He's just trusting God to open the doors. And we can do the same. Trust God will open doors for us. Maybe in our work. Maybe with something that's on our heart. Trust God will open the doors. We don't have to force it open. Just pray. We can give it a little touch perhaps and see where God leads. And, and funnily enough, David is suddenly gone from obscurity to serving the king. Now Saul likes him very much. But David's one of those guys, <clears throat> you can't not like him. We recently watched a four-part documentary on David Beckham. Has anyone seen this? It's on Netflix. You can't, I, I don't know, but you can't not like David Beckham. Is that controversial? I mean, he's good-looking, he's, he's a nice guy, and fabulously well, but still quite humble, or at least he appears that way. And he can kick a football, can't he? Or, you know, and I, is that right, he can kick a football? Yes, that's right. Actually, he learns his skills in anonymity, in obscurity. How did he get to the place where he could kick these amazing free kicks? And, well, it was years of being forced by his dad to kick a ball, can't do it again. Kick a ball, do it again. Kick a ball, do it again. And so that prepared him for the public stage where the heat was on and he was in very tough circumstances and he was still able to deliver. I don't want to take the analogy with David Beckham too far, but you get what I'm saying. So Saul is very pleased with David. I really like David, he says. And he sends word to Jesse, leave him with me. Well, he was the king and you did what he said. I'm very pleased with him. But Saul would develop a love-hate relationship with David. Because you see, David's star was going to rise and people were going to follow David and they're all just, everyone loved David and Saul's authority and popularity was, was waning. He was slipping away from him. He was clinging on to power. And so he hated David. He was jealous of David. And in fact, he, he, he ended up devoting resources, time, and all of his energy to, to killing David. <coughs> and for years, David is on the run, actually, from King Saul, who should have been attacking the Philistines, but he's trying to attack this guy, David. Saul kind of becomes unhinged and loses the plot because God is no longer with him. God might put a call on your life and lead you, and he might be with you, but doesn't mean it's going to be plain sailing. Certainly wasn't for David. For years, although he knew he's called to be king, it would take years and years and years before the crown would come on his head. And so, certainly in this story, he just serves. And whenever Saul is tormented by the spirit, <clears throat> David would take up 
his lyre and play, and then relief would come to Saul. He'd feel better. And David was doing, at that moment, what was asked of him. David was great. He was a great leader. An inspiring character. Not perfect at all, but nonetheless, a man after God's heart. But even David was only looking forward to what was yet to come. He was the first real proper king that they had. And God said, you'll always have someone on the throne. There'll be someone from your family tree that's going to be on the throne. And I will never take my love away from your household, David, like I've taken it away from Saul. And so expectation grew. As the painting got more detailed, expectation grew in the Bible that there'd be another king. There'd be a son of David. Now, David had a son, Solomon, and there were others, but that there would be an even greater son, a Messiah. And years later, there was another one born in Bethlehem. A son of David. And we're told in Hebrews, from that reading that Gail brought to us, that David and all the others were commended for their faith, but even they didn't receive the full promise. But what God had planned was going to be something better. That only together with us is fulfilled. And we live this side of Jesus, this side of the cross. This side of the hope of heaven through Christ, the Messiah. And so we're encouraged as we remember this great cloud of witnesses. We're encouraged to throw off every sin that easily entangles us. You know, throw off your overcoats, it's not that cold. And run with perseverance that race marked out for us. Those who've gone before us are saying, come on, you can do this. And we just fix our eyes on the goal, on Jesus himself. Fix our faith on him. And one day we too will join this great cloud of witnesses. And we'll be cheering others on. And we'll know that we're all in it together, all along anyway. And that the divide between heaven and earth is not as big as we think. And that God is here right now. And just as Holy Spirit was with David, so he's with us. And what he said is he'll never take his love away from us. He'll never withdraw his presence like he did from Saul. And we may not always feel it, but God is working on our lives and he's equipping us for what he's calling us to be and do. So again, I'd love to invite the Holy Spirit to stir in our midst. Come Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait on God for a moment.
What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's he saying to us as a church? And what might our witness be as we testify to God, to his faithfulness and presence? Now I'm going to leave just an opportunity now. For folks, if you'd like to come up and 